What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside J.J. Cooper. J.J., we made it. The 2020 regular season has concluded. Obviously, this was a season unlike any other on the field, off the field, and it really took a, a lot to get it done. There were definitely doubts at various points throughout this calendar year whether a 2020 regular season would A, get started in the first place, and B, finish once it was started. But here we are, and now we're on the verge of the 2020 postseason. JJ, before we dive into it, just having been through all this start to finish from the time camp shut down in March through the ugly negotiations into the shortened season, COVID-19 outbreaks on the Marlins and Cardinals and other teams having games postponed throughout due to positive tests. Just what are your overall thoughts on, on 2020 and frankly just the fact that we had a regular season and got through a regular season? I think it's really important. I mean, I know that there are fans who absolutely look at this and say, yeah, it was a season, but 60 games isn't for me. And I get that. I understand that. 60 games in this year to me, I'm, I would describe as my personal fandom, and I'm a giant baseball fan, but as a, my personal fandom, I can live with craziness this year. I can live with being absolutely unusual because that's the best that we could do. It was a crazy year. 60 games is not normal for baseball. 16 teams postseason. The Brewers making the postseason without ever having a day with a winning record. All these things are utterly abnormal. That said, I think that MLB and the Players Association do deserve credit for getting through this. And, you know, there were times early on in this once the season had begun, when you had the Marlins and Cardinals outbreaks, there was a lot of people saying, shut it down. It needs to be shut down. Shut it down now. And I get that. But at the same time, it didn't need to be shut down. We've seen. Uh, the reality of it is, is that it got better, not worse after that. But more than that, if you're a player, uh, you know, again, I, I know that people are, are, there's a lot of people, especially on baseball, social media, you know, anti-owner, but I think what gets lost a lot of times in this is how important it is if you're a player that they got through the 60 games. And I don't mean just because the statistics you got to put up or things like that, but if you're a player, the, your career is a very finite resource. It is a very short period of time, even for great players, that they're going to be MLB stars. But especially if you're the up and down guy, if you're the role player, that kind of thing. Well, if you got two months in the big leagues this year and your major league career is going to add up to a total of four months, effectively 50% of your career baseball earnings, unless you got a big bonus, are going to have taken place in these two months. If you're a guy who, if you're a guy with the Marlins who got an opportunity 
because they had a lot of players on the coronavirus IL and you took advantage of that opportunity. It could be the difference between a guy who never would have gotten a call up or may have gotten a couple of, you know, a cup of coffee at some point and someone who has a year and a half, two and a half years in the majors. Well, that's for that player, that individual player, that is a massive difference. That's could be million, a million dollars in difference in earnings. So Getting through this and getting to a postseason, we still have to get through the postseason, but getting to a postseason is an accomplishment. And I think it's also one that should be celebrated because I will, I'm still very hopeful that at the end of the day, we will have a 2020 you know, champion. And that's much more enjoyable to me than looking back as we all have to for minor league baseball forever and college baseball and look at 2020 as a gap year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is it's important to give credit to a lot of the people who tirelessly worked to make this happen. I understand, again, that a 60-game season normally is not something anyone wants. Certainly no one wants this ever again, uh, a shortened season or a pandemic, frankly, uh, bigger, bigger picture issues. But just overall, I think that Major League Baseball, again, there are a lot of times we criticize them, and rightly so. I think it's important to also give credit when something is done well. And I think that Major League Baseball, I want to give them credit for adjusting. We saw earlier in the year, the standards were a little looser regarding the Marlins. They had four positive tests. They gave the okay to play anyway. And we saw everything really spiral out of control very, very quickly. And Major League Baseball, in conjunction with the Players Union and everyone involved, very, very quickly adjusted and adapted, clamped it down and said, hey, we're not messing with this. If there's even a hint of a positive, we're postponing it for a day or two, maybe three. You know, I think at the beginning of the year, that might've seemed severe, but as we saw how quickly this thing can spread in the clubhouse, it made sense. And I think major league baseball and the powers that be, and the people on the ground deserve credit for pivoting and being flexible and being willing to adjust to ensure that we did not have more outbreaks of that nature later on in the season after the Marlins and Cardinals outbreaks Again, a lot of people put in a lot of hours to make the season happen. I think it's important to give them credit just in terms of the amount of testing that was done, the processing that was done. We all remember things were very messy at the beginning of summer camp in terms of the, the July 4th weekend and tests not showing up on time. They fixed it. And, and some, if you're going to criticize someone, it's important to give them credit as well. And I think that the people involved made the adjustments needed to get a full season in, and they deserve credit for that. And again, the players as well, a lot of them made tremendous sacrifices this year, not seeing their families, not doing much of anything really. I mean, really, really taking this very, very seriously, much more so than the general population. Obviously there were incidents that, you know, kind of broke that. We saw that with the Indians and Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger, but when you take it into take into account the entirety of Major League Baseball and the number of Major League Baseball players, on the whole, uh, I think the players and the coaches and everyone involved deserve a lot of credit for doing what was necessary to get a 60-game season completed safely. Uh, this was not easy on them. You talk to the players, you talk to the coaches. This was very difficult. And I think it's important to recognize that and give them credit for doing what needed to be done in order for a season to take place. Agreed. Uh, the reality of it is, is we're in a postseason now, and I am very happy to say that. And hey, again, I don't want 16 team playoffs every year at the same time. Wednesday is of this week is going to be wonderfully crazy. I pride myself on 
being able to put together a lot of screens. I don't know if I'll have enough screens to, to keep up with what's going on during the uh, middle of the afternoon on, on Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Well, we're going to jump into the playoff uh, series, all eight of them, and break down what to expect here in the wild card round. But before we do, I want to give you all a quick message from our sponsor, MyBookie. It's summertime, and at MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks. Win big. Collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of futures bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. All right, JJ, diving in. I want to start with the Dodgers and Brewers. This was what we were kind of waiting to see what would happen on the final day of the season. The Brewers, the Giants, the Phillies were all in the mix for that number eight spot. Cardinals were trying to finish off what their seating would look like as well. Ultimately, the Cardinals beat the Brewers. They got in at the five seed, but the Brewers backed into the eight seed. If I'm the Dodgers, that series of events was the best case scenario. The Giants had played the Dodgers tough all year. The Phillies, we know about their bullpen problems, but they can still bang. They had a lineup that could hang a five, six, seven on you. The Brewers are a team that frankly has just not been very good this year below 500, and most importantly, they really, really, really struggle to score. The Dodgers had the lowest ERA in Major League Baseball this year, not the Indians, the Dodgers. They're now going up against an offense that finished 26th in runs scored this year. Anything can happen in a three-game series. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. They're going to be favored in any series they play. But given all the potential possibilities, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm doing backflips. I am stoked. This was the best possible matchup. The Brewers' one chance in my book was if Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns were able to go game one and game two and dominate. Corbin Burns is out with an oblique injury. To me, that wipes away whatever small chance the Brewers had. Again, I know it's a three-game series. Anything can happen. I just think the Dodgers are going to steamroll them. At the end of the day, I'm going to take the talent, and the talent gap between the Dodgers and Brewers is enormous. Yeah, I think the only – if you're matching up here, the, the only part that is a, a advantageous matchup for the Brewers is the battle of the bullpens. And as you just mentioned with the Dodgers starting pitching this year, I, I don't even know if that's that much. Yeah, I, I think that the Brewers going to have to rely on their bullpen more so than the uh, Dodgers. And really, when I say that the, the Brewers have the bullpen advantage, a lot of that has kind of come down to what they can do if they get a lead. If they have a lead come to the sixth inning, and you can hand it over to the Devin Williams and the Josh Haters and all. Okay, well, then you've, you've really got something. But it, it's not nearly as, as ferocious. Again, they'll use those guys a little bit more than they, they generally have not used those guys when trailing. They'll do that a little differently, I assume, in the postseason. But you, you look at the starting pitching, and they needed Brandon Woodruff to go on. Uh, you know, he, he came up big for them in a, in a big game on Saturday. But I – don't like their starting pitching matching up against the Dodgers. The lineup is, as you said, it has the issues. The, the one thing I'll give them, 
And you're going to hear me using these stats a lot. I, I did a little work on this and obviously no one, not everyone played the same schedule this year by, we don't normally have a balanced schedule, but this year was more unbalanced than ever before imbalanced, I guess I should say. And one thing I guess I can say for the Brewers is, is they had 42 games against playoff teams. So they are tested against teams who are continuing to play. And they were 19 and 23 in those games. The Dodgers obviously being in the West, not nearly as tested. That said, yeah, I, I also think that this is, it's a three game series. Anything can happen in a three game series, but the Dodgers are clearly the better team of these two. Yeah, this is, this is honestly the series I feel the most confident about, as much as you can feel confident in a three-game series. The other 8-1 matchup is interesting to me, the Rays and the Blue Jays. So the Rays won the season series, but it was only 6-4, and they only outscored Toronto 48-44. to The Jays played the Rays very, very tough this year. Familiar foes. Again, I think the Rays are the best team in the American League. They have the best record in the American League. I think they're uniquely built for a postseason setup like this in terms of no off days they have a tremendous tremendous well of quality pitching depth that no other team in the american league can match except maybe the indians who have the starting depth but ultimately this is the series that if there's going to be an 8-1 upset this is the one to me where i think it's more likely i'm still picking the rays they had an era more than a full run lower than toronto but the Jays did score more runs and have a higher OPS than the Rays did this year. Um, again, it, it wouldn't shock me if this one is close. And it wouldn't shock me, truthfully, if the Blue Jays pulled it off. Again, I'm picking the Rays, but the Blue Jays have played them tough. Uh, this, this Blue Jays team is a legitimately good team. I, I don't think that this is a fluke. When we talk about the Brewers, and they kind of have to almost kind of shake their head and go, yeah, we made it in. But they did exactly roar to uh, the finish, and uh, they just – have been pretty mediocre all year. This Blue Jay team has had moments where you say, okay, especially, man, what is this team going to look like in 2022, 2021, 2022, maybe in 2023? But this is a deep lineup right now. And deep lineups to me, when you get to the postseason, you, you want those lineups where it's not just, and we'll get to you, Cleveland, <laughs> we, you know, it's not just, okay, this is the inning that you really have to, to be careful. You have to be careful pretty much every inning against Toronto because they have guys up and down the order who can mash. They have ah, starting pitching is, is kind of, it's got, they have some highlights to it. Nice season Hunjin Yu. But the reality of it is, is that I, I agree with you. I think that if you said what team is most equipped to handle the endurance test, that will be the first few rounds of these post playoffs where there are very few off days. I, I think it's the Rays because they're not relying on an arm or two in that bullpen. They're relying on – they feel comfortable pretty much almost putting any guy out there in, in the right matchup. And they have a lot of guys who are good in a lot of different matchups. So they're the better team of these two. I don't think there's a question about that. That's why they're the one seed. But, you know, I, I do look at this, and I agree with you. It's not a – we'll keep flogging the it's a three-game series fact. But the other thing that stands out here – I'm going to keep using these stats also – the Rays were 21-9 and nine against playoff teams this year. So they didn't just fatten up against uh, the, the Bostons and uh, the Baltimores out there. They also were very good when they faced other good teams. I, I think they're absolutely legit, and they probably are. Again, they're the one seed. They should be. But I, I'd say right now they're the, the slight favorite to come out of the AL to me. 
Yeah, I, I will say Hunjin Ryu and Taiwan Walker is actually a pretty good one-two to start a series with if you're Toronto. So again, I just look at the two eight-one series and it's a completely different situation to me. Again, the Dodgers to me, it's no question they're going to beat the Brewers and I have a feeling it'll be two games and it's going to be by fairly wide margins. Braves Blue Jays, if it comes down to the final game and all of them are tight, wouldn't surprise me. But it, I think that's actually going to be a really fun series to watch. Just you know, personally, you know, seeing the the Rays' arms against the Blue Jays' young bats, it's a really fun matchup. Padres and Cardinals. The Cardinals have kind of a long history of eliminating the Padres in the postseason. They knocked them out in 1996, 2005, 2006. The Padres are the better team this year. We've seen that their offense is a juggernaut and. Perhaps most importantly, we saw Fernando Tatis really kind of turn it on a little bit here the last week of the season. He was mired in that slump in the middle of the month that in all likelihood probably knocked him out of the National League MVP award. But he had two long home runs in San Francisco. He started hitting the ball hard against Seattle. If he's right, again, that offense top to bottom is just a juggernaut. It just comes down to the health of Denelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger. Lamette left his last start with bicep tightness. Clevenger has an elbow impingement. Now, the hope is Lamette will be ready to go game one. Clevenger, it's TBD. If those two are healthy and can pitch as normal, the Padres are winning this series. If they're not, it gets tricky. Zach Davies has had a really good season. Chris Paddock has not been very consistent. Garrett Richards, they were going to move to the bullpen. Now, with the health staff of their other starters, they got to figure out the best way to use him. That's really what is going to determine if the Padres win this series and go deep into the playoffs. It's the health of those two starters. If even if it's just Lamette and Davies, I still think they're in good shape to win the series. But if they're if Lamette comes out and he just can't go or he's not right and Clevenger's unavailable, it really changes the dynamic of everything. I somewhat agree with you. I just think that I agree with you, obviously, that San Diego's the better team here. I think even with the pitching injuries, even if they don't really get anything from Lamette and Clevenger in this first round series, I still think they can beat St. Louis. I, <laughs> I think it could be in, in that situation, it's going to be a little bit more of uh, you know, uh, they're going to have to do it with, with some slugging, but I do think that this lineup's good enough to do that. And I think that they're, they're simply that much better than St. Louis. And the other thing I would say for that is, is, this is not a St. Louis lineup that even if you're onto your second string starting rotation, this isn't a Cardinals lineup that really gives you a lot to be afraid of. Who is, I'll just throw it out to you. Now, who's the guy in this Cardinals lineup other than Goldschmidt who you say, uh Oh, you better not make, you know, if you make a mistake to him, he's really going to punish you. Yeah. And they don't have one. And that's why you're right. The Padres, again, part of the reason they're so heavily favored in my book is they cannot slug the Cardinals. If Paddock comes out and, and has another rough outing and the Padres need to win the game eight to six, they can do that. The real kicker is going to be the Cardinals pitching because there is a very real possibility if Clevenger and Lamette can't go, that the Cardinals will have a starting pitcher advantage in at least two of the three games. Adam Wainwright's had a really good year. Kwon Young Kim has been really, really good as a rookie. And, and Jack Flaherty had a rougher season, but you still trust this guy to do good things and you know in a big game. This is a Cardinals team that went to the NLCS last year. These guys are postseason experience. So again, I, I I'm not willing to write them off like I am the Brewers. The Padres should win this series. I just I, I can see a scenario where if 
Lamette and Clevenger aren't healthy and all of a sudden it's, you know, Davies versus Flaherty and then Wainwright versus Paddock and Kim versus Bullpende or Garrett Richards, where all of a sudden the Cardinals have the starting pitcher advantage at least two of the three days in the series. Yeah. I, you know, again, I just think that San Diego is better than St. Louis. Yeah. No, and again, they they are, we've seen that this year. We've seen that in the record and I'll be very curious to see what the pitching rotations look like. Indians Yankees is the other four or five series. And this to me is the one where the Yankees got the worst possible draw for them. And here's what I mean by that. The Yankees had an 892 OPS at home this year. That was the best home OPS in Major League Baseball. They had a 677 OPS on the road this year, 24th in Major League Baseball among all road OPSs. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Yankee Stadium is a bandbox, and enough people, I don't think, truly appreciate how ridiculous of an offensive environment it is. This Yankees offense away from Yankee Stadium has not been very good. And and injuries are a part of that, but we've seen this happen year after year after year. And there's a bit of a disconnect because Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres and all these guys should be good no matter where they play. And truthfully, they are. These are excellent players. But just the Yankees lineup as a unit has not performed on the road. So now you take that, put them on the road against Cleveland, who has the best pitching staff in the American League dominant starters, a deep bullpen. That's just a really, really, really bad combination for the Yankees. And for me, that's why I think that ultimately the Indians, even with their offensive concerns, should win this series. The Yankees have just not scored away from Yankee Stadium. And now they have to go do it against the best pitching staff in the American League. And you're facing not just – I think we can declare it right now. You're facing the Cy Young winner. I, there's, no, <laughs> there's no question, I don't think, that Shane Bieber should win the Cy Young in the American League. He was simply the best starter, and it wasn't really close. Um, and so, assuming he goes out – it's not a guarantee, but if he goes out and shoves, well, uh, okay, then – if that's the case, then you're going to have to win one of you know, the other two games. That's, that's a very tough matchup. I, the other question I guess I'll just kind of ask is, how good, are they, how good is this Yankees team? They are one of the teams that has benefited from playing only the Easts, you know, and especially playing the AL East predominantly. Uh, New York is 10-17 and 17 against playoff teams this year. That's not the worst uh, mark uh, of anyone in the playoffs, but it's at the, it's basically at the bottom. Most teams are, are, are 500 or, you know, around 500 or better at this. And as you noted, they are a much better team as far offensively at home. It's a great park to hit, you know, for them. And that all said, I do utterly worry about this Cleveland lineup. It, it does feel like if, 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 Francisco Lindor and Jose, especially Jose Ramirez don't do something. There's very few other guys to do it. And as much as I may like their starting pitching, that's <laughs> that, that troubles me because the reality of it is, is that they don't have a whole lot of guys to, 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 to force other pitching staffs into uncomfortable innings, tax those other pitching staffs, kind of make them, you know, bringing the guy an inning earlier than they would like to, those kind of things. And so 
this one feels like a pick them to me as much as anyone other because both of these teams have some strengths and some very clear weaknesses. Yeah, see, to me, Fred Mel Reyes is, is still a very, very impactful hitter who had a good season and is dangerous in this lineup. You know, Cesar Hernandez is a nice player at the top of the order, good average, good on base. Carlos Santana had a bad year, but he still got on base at nearly a 350 clip. This, this Indians offense is by no means a juggernaut, but they still have some guys who can hurt you. And again, just to me, I go back to the the 225-point difference in OPS for the Yankees at home and on the road. To me, I don't see this one as a pick em. I see this as a win for the Indians. Again, anything can happen in a three-game series. And, and as I ran off, you know, Judge and Stanton and Voigt and Torres and, and, and DJ LeMahieu, these are really good players who can get hot at any time and should be able to hit in any ballpark. Again, just the track record of what the Yankees have actually done this year as a unit offensively. It's hard for me to buy into that on the road against Cleveland's pitching. That'll be a fun one. So the one that I think is probably our most likely upset potentially, although there's one other I'm going to highlight, is the Cubs and the Marlins. I really don't like this matchup for the Cubs. I actually talked about this uh, on our podcast a couple weeks ago when it was announced that there would be no off days this postseason. So the Cubs offense – for all its big names, ranks 20th in the majors in runs scored and 21st in OPS. They're going to be going against Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez. That's a really good starting trio and a Marlins team that's kind of playing with house money that has a whole lot of things going for them right now. The Marlins offense isn't great either, but go and look at it. They are just a tick behind the Cubs and runs scored in OPS. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You look at the Cubs lineup and the Marlins lineup and seems like there should be a world of difference, but in terms of actual performance, they've been about identical this year. You Darvish and Kyle Hendricks could absolutely come out and shut the Marlins offense down. And this is a quick, you know, two and done win for the Cubs. I can absolutely see that happening. To me, the key is going to be, we saw Chris Bryant, some things were starting to come together. That final season series against the White Sox had a grand slam, got another home run in the series finale. Javi Baez showed some signs of life as well. If the Cubs hitters actually start hitting, then yeah, they should win this series. Just given their performance over the course of the season, it's hard to have confidence for me that they're going to hit. And and again, this Marlins top three of the rotation is filthy. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Again, this one feels... It's another one of those that I'm fascinated because I don't really feel like either of these teams has a, uh, a clear lock on this series. Again, three-game series disclaimer here. I don't really like either of these lineups too much. Uh, I do like the, the Marlins pitching. That said, I really like you Darvish in this series. Yes, and, 100%. And I think because of that, we're talking about a three-game series. I think you Darvish is better – than any of the impressive but very young Marlins rotation. So it's a three-game series. If I think that, you know, that you Jarvis is going to shove, and I, I think he will, and I think that Kyle Hendricks, by the way, is a guy who absolutely could feast on this, this Marlins lineup that, that can get a little over-aggressive at times, especially some of the guys. I like the Cubs. I think that the Cubs do pull this out. I, I'm not a big on postseason experience being 
an utterly overwhelming uh, factor in these, but the, the, the discrepancy, the disparity in playoff experience of this Cubs team versus this uh, Marlins team is, it, it, if the Marlins do win this series, it kind of helps further uh, shove uh, dirt on that, uh, that, that whole uh, adage because you got a whole lot of young guys for the Marlins who this will be their first time in the playoffs versus a whole lot of guys for the Cubs who've been there, done that. And again, I think the Cubs can win this series. There's no question. Again, you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks going out there and shoving and just making this a quick 2-0 two, two and oh on to the next round can absolutely see that happening. That will not shock me. I just, to me, this feels like more of a pick because I just, I don't know what version of the Cubs offense we're going to get. If Chris Bryant and Javier Baez in particular have turned it on, then yeah, they're going to be fine. But we just have to see what it looks like. JJ, over in the American League, the 3-6 is very different for me. To me, the series that I feel the most confident about, as confident as you can feel in a best-of-three scenario, is the Dodgers over the Brewers. The one I'm second most confident about is this one, the Twins over the Astros. Here's why. The Twins are 24-7 and at home this year. Astros went 9-23 and on the road. The Astros are in the postseason as a sub-500 team. They have been a middle-of-the-pack offense this year. I wrote about that in this week's power rankings. The Twins are really, really, really good at home. You know, it's funny. I mentioned the Yankees having a really good home offense, but on the road, their offense kind of disappears. The Twins have a similar situation, not quite as extreme, but with their pitching, uh, they have a 2.89 ERA at home this year, 4.38 ERA on the road, so almost a full run and a half higher. But the Twins are at home where their pitchers flourish, facing an Astros team that's a middle-of-the-pack offense and just has not performed on the road this year. Uh, This is a walkover to me. I think this is an easy Twins win, and they finally get past their first postseason round for the first time since 2002. Uh, I I can't really argue a lot of these points with you. You Not having Justin Verlander is obviously huge for Houston. Um, I would feel very different about this series with a healthy Justin Verlander. But – when I said that the Yankees didn't have the worst record among uh, you know teams against uh, other playoff teams, Houston does have the worst record of any playoff team. They're four and thirteen against playoff teams this year. Now, one of the things that's notable about that is is again they're out west. They play west teams. They don't get to set the schedule, but they played seventeen games against playoff teams this year. That's it. You know when you compare that to like Milwaukee, you know. Everyone in the Central basically was playing in the high 30s or low 40s as far as the number of playoff teams they faced. And then you go on top of that and you say, okay, so well, where, where did they get their wins? They weren't even great against bad teams. They did go 4-0 against Colorado. They went 7-3 against Seattle. But the end of the, you know, the, the last weekend of the season, they ended up 500 against Texas. They ended up, uh, you know, one in – you know, four and six against the Angels. They were three and three against the Diamondbacks. This was just a team that didn't really dominate much of anybody. Um, They are way younger for a team that, you know, that has obviously been in the playoffs. They have still a a very nice core, but of, of, you know, of hitters who they're still the same guys. They're still the guys who have come, you know, come up time and time again in the postseason. But this, this rotation, this bullpen is largely new um and uh, the other thing i'd just say on top of that minnesota's really good 
They're, they were Minnesota is 21 and 12 against postseason teams this year. So I, I do, I think that Minnesota is another one of those teams. We talked about Tampa Bay and how well equipped they are for this postseason. I don't, I'm not in love with the Minnesota bullpen, but I love the lineup. And I also think starting pitching wise, they're really good. They're really deep and deep right now may be more important than having that one guy, although Kenta Maeda has been, been really good, but have more important than having that one guy who can go out there and shove. They have pretty much every game in the postseason. They should have a starter going to the mound that you feel like they have a chance to win that game. And they're one of the very few teams this postseason where you can say that. And you know, having those five legit starters, as we talked about, is just going to be so, so, so critical. The team that you know has to go to a bullpen game and then runs out of arms and their bullpen guys are exhausted because they had to use seven of them to get through a game. And even if they advance, then it, it's just going to be a mess. The teams that can get the most innings from quality starters is going to be the most successful team this postseason. And you're right, the Twins are definitely a candidate with the Dodgers, with the Rays to do that. The next series to me, from a pure entertainment value, I think might be the one I'm most looking forward to watching. And that's the Braves and the Reds. The Reds starting rotation with Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray now that he's back going up against the Braves offense. That has been one of the best in baseball this year by any measure. I'm really looking forward to this. To me, the thing that's been a recent development that makes this even that much more interesting. So the Reds offense has actually woken up a little bit. They are averaging five runs per game over the final two weeks of the season. Akiyama, Vado, Mustakis, Barnhart, they've all started to come around a little bit these last two weeks. So now you have a team that's starting to put things together offensively a little bit against a Braves pitching staff, I should say a Braves starting rotation, that has many, many, many question marks attached to it. This is going to be, I think, one of the most fun series of this wild card round. I can see either team winning it. And to me, it's just going to be a battle of the Titans. The Reds starting pitching versus the Braves offense. Whoever wins that battle, I think, wins this series. I, um, I'm probably – I'm going to say why I think the Braves are going to win this, and then I'll end up putting a lot of caveats to that. And I start with everything you said about the Yankees and their lineup, I think it's also very true about uh, Cincinnati. It's a pretty home run dependent team, but Cincinnati plays in one of the best home run parks in, in baseball year in, year out. It's been, it's very good for home runs. And this year they are hitting a home run every 18 plate appearances at home. They go to the road. They'll be on the road this series. They, they hit a home run every 31 plate appearances. The Braves also are a very home run dependent team, but they hit one every 22 plate appearances at home, one every 23 plate appearances on the road. They don't really, they're not a whole lot of difference. The Reds slug 449 at home, 360 on the road. So I do think some of this Reds lineup is not nearly as frightening if you take them away from, uh, from Cincinnati. The, the questions are really come down to how the, the Braves are limping into this. Um, I, I'm sure it was partly just precautionary, but Ronald Acuna, you know, his wrist at least had, it was a scratch this week because of a minor, hopefully for everyone involved who likes watching great players play, minor wrist injury. Max Fried, you know, was pulled from a recent start because of a minor injury as well, should be able to go, but 
but this is a rotation that's Max Fried, Ian Anderson, and really counting on Kyle Wright, who kind of returned from the dead in the last few starts for them this year. They're really kind of going to have to kind of count on Kyle Wright and count on a great bullpen, a great bullpen, but one that's been asked to do a lot this year. And so absolutely, can I see Cincinnati winning this series? Sure. Um, I, I think – I think if this goes to a game three, uh, especially with the rotation that the Reds have, I think Braves fans will have uh, nightmares uh, remembering what the uh, deciding game of last year's uh, playoff series against St. Louis, how that turned out. But I I do think Atlanta just is a better team. This is a truly prolific lineup that Atlanta has. And even if Ronald Acuna is bothered, you know, wrist is bothering him. They still have guys up and down this lineup who are really frightening to face, I think more so than Cincinnati. And for that reason, I'm, I do think Atlanta does pull this out. Yeah, I mean, there's no question the Braves' offense is way, way, way better than the Reds' offense. And they're at home. Again, they, sh- they are favored. They should be favored. I'm really just looking forward to this series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. JJ, the final postseason series, to me, is the one that's the biggest toss-up. And that's the A's and the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox really slumped heading into the playoffs. We started to see some of their players really, really kind of slump down the stretch, some of their top guys. But this is still a very good team with a really good offense, potentially one to nine. Dallas Keuchel had a sub two ERA, really good year at the front of that rotation. You still have Lucas Giolito. This is still a good team, and they've played well on the road. And then you have an ace team that you know lost Matt Chapman, did not get the type of seasons they're used to from Matt Olson and Marcus Simeon, and yet still had the second best record in the American league. And a lot of that was their pitching, specifically their bullpen. They've pitched well at home. They've, they've found ways to score enough runs. These are two good teams who have flaws, but consistently have won over the course of the season for the most part. I, I could see this one going either way. If you told me the A's swept, I could lay out that scenario. If you told me the White Sox swept, I could lay out that scenario. If you told me it was, A's down to the wire in three, absolutely. White Sox down to the wire in three, absolutely. I I can see all of these scenarios playing out. Uh, This is the biggest toss-up of any of the eight postseason series to me. Uh, I'm not a big, you know, I I don't think momentum plays a whole lot. Like playing poorly in September doesn't always carry over into October. But I I do worry. I I think with with the White Sox, what's concerning is, is they have guys who started hot Luis Robert, the, the book is out on him. Um, if you pitch him carefully right now, until he makes adjustments, which as of yet he has not made, you can get him out because he will expand the zone far beyond the zone. He does have solid bat-to-ball skills, but he'll chase sliders in the dirt and he'll chase an air slide in the dirt, and here you go again. You know, And he, he does expand that zone. And so that's really kind of taken uh, a threat out of their lineup and – Again, still a good lineup, but especially, as you said, against this, this Oakland bullpen. The bullpen's really good. The starting rotation, it's kind of going to be more of – I'll be interested to see. They have guys who can flash moments of dominance, but this is not a great starting rotation. I really give credit to Oakland. I don't know how they're as good as they are because you look at this lineup, you look at this rotation, everything but the bullpen, and you say, how are they the – the, the team that won 36 games, you know, especially with Matt Chapman out, but they have, and I, I do look at it and say, I, but I, I'm going to go Chicago in this series. I do think that they just simply, uh, I do think there is a little bit of it. That is a, uh, 
guys who can take over games, especially in a three-game series, and I think Chicago has more of those. Yeah, no, I, I can absolutely see that. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting series to watch. All right, JJ, so we've broken down all eight series. There's a long road ahead to actually get to the World Series. When you look at the big picture of everything, this extra round, no off days, who for you is the favorite to win this World Series? It's a 16-team playoffs. And so, you know, in golf tournaments, if you can bet the field where they take the, like, the top 10 and then you can have everyone else, I would like the field in this, but that's not going to happen in a 16-team playoff. The Dodgers are clearly, I think, the best team in the, in the National League. Um, everyone else who kind of threatens them, I think, is either really banged up in the case of San Diego or has some very clear flaws. I do not like Atlanta's chances in a – in a best of seven series, especially with no off days because they just, their rotation does not match up at the back end of it with these other teams we're talking about. So, I I mean, it is LA's to win in the national league, but again, they've got to come through a lot of traffic here to get to that point. I look in the AL and I feel like it's a little bit more wide open. I can construct cases for a lot of teams, but I do think that, I know it was only a 60-game season. I do think that Minnesota and Tampa are the two best teams in the American League. And, by the way, I'll say something for that. Like, I do like when we have the fact that, that you can say that the Tampa Bay Rays could be legitimately not. There's, they could sneak into something. But, no, this team may be the best team in the American League. Kind of a good reminder that you can win with, uh, you know, with less revenue, with less, a smaller payroll. Minnesota's not exactly a, uh, you know, a, a massive market team either. So it's kind of cool to see that. But again, I kind of like the field in this if I could take it because a lot can happen, especially when you have these very compressed series and everyone having to win at the minimum two, four, you know, just to get to the World Series, you're looking at, you're, you're, you're looking at a lot of wins that you have to get and a lot of teams are going to be worn out. I had picked the Dodgers to beat the Yankees in the World Series this year. And for me, the thinking was Dodgers over the Braves in the NLCS, Yankees over the Rays in the ALCS. With I really struggled with the Yankees and the Rays. I ultimately picked the Yankees. You know, going into this postseason, I will say the Dodgers and the Rays, and I know that's not very creative, the two one seeds. To me, the Dodgers are they're just so much better than everybody else in this entire playoff field, when you look at the lineup they have, I mean, this team went 43 and 17 with Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy underperforming massively. Jock Peterson too. I mean, three of the most dangerous hitters did not play well this year. They went 43 and 17. If the Dodgers deploy their pitchers the right way, if they, strategically do everything by the book and not try to be overly fancy and not outthink themselves. This team should win the world series, even with all the factors at play of a short series to open in the wild card round. The fact there's no off days, this team is so talented and so deep that if anything, I think the no off days gives them a greater advantage than they otherwise normally would have. And for me, this is, this is a year where they should win the World Series. And as far as the American League, um, I picked the Yankees before the year. I've expressed my concerns. I'm going to flip that to the Rays right now. 
I think the Indians, the way their pitching is built, it would not shock me if they go on a run and, you know, potentially get to the ALCS, the World Series. The Twins are going to be in it as well, as you mentioned. That's a little bit more of an open field, but I just see the Dodgers as, as so much better and deeper and more talented than any other team in this field. I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I disagree with you on some ways on this. Yeah. So six, we have 16 teams, you know, in the postseason. So right there, you know, again, I, I agree with you. They are the favorites. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you on that point. But when you have 16 teams in the postseason, there is so much that has to happen here um, simply to get <laughs> – to the World Series, that you could have a team that is is very good, and and at the same time, and does things strategically right. But the reality of it is, is if you said that every team came into this postseason with even odds, which would be stupid way to look at it. I'm not saying that, but that would say that every team has a 6.25% chance of winning the World Series because we have 16 teams trying to win it. If I say that the Dodgers are clearly better than everyone else, and again, that may be a little bit stretching. They are deeper. I think that this is a really good team. They also are postseason tested. They have a great rotation. They have a great lineup, all these things. But if I said that they're, let's say that they are three times better you know, they have a three times better chance than these other teams. Well, that puts me at like 18, 19%. Let's say that they have, that they're better than that. I put them at probably saying they have a 25% chance of winning this World Series. Now, that's really good. I wouldn't give anyone else in this postseason a 25% chance of winning it. But at the same time, I would also say, when you, especially you have these short series, the best team, the better team, is not going to win every one of these first round series. The best team's not going to win every one of these second round series either. Because uh, again, if you, this is not just random chance, but there is a certain amount of chance to this. A ball, you know, kicks the right way instead of the wrong way for a team, you know, all these many things can happen. And, and I do look at it and say, if this Dodgers team doesn't win it in a 16 team postseason. I think that that could just be that it's their, their, this is the biggest postseason we've ever seen and wild things will happen. And so I think that there's a one in four chance that they'll win it, but I think there's also a three in four chance they won't simply because of the, the weight of numbers and the weight of how many games you have to win. And the fact that baseball is a game where if you took the best team in baseball against the worst team in baseball and you put them in a three-game series – I would not put, you know, I would not take a bet at seven to one that the better team's going to win because this is baseball and crazy things can happen. It's not a sport where the best team always wins. And so from that standpoint, I do think that this is very wide open. And I do think that the Dodgers could do everything right and still get knocked out even before they get to the World Series just because of the utterly weird nature of this postseason. Oh, there's no question. You can do everything right and sometimes you just get beat. That happens. Again, for me, I just go back to, I'm always going to pick the talent. I think the Dodgers have the most talent. But you're right. This is the most wide open postseason we have ever had. 
It's going to be wild. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be out uh, covering games throughout in San Diego and Los Angeles. We'll have a lot of coverage up at Baseball America. And I know for all of us, we're excited that we're finally here. We're excited for what October holds and really the last two days of September as well. And should be a fun one. JJ, thanks for uh, coming Buckle on. Up. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to buckle up. Let's go. Postseason's here. And by the way, we do want everyone to know we plan. We can't promise we'll have 100% on this. We're going to try. But weekdays during the postseason, as we've done for several years now, we are going to try to do – they'll be quicker. Although I don't know how you do quick on uh, – when we do it Thursday, I don't know how you do quick when you have eight games going on. But, but we're going to try to do our, our postseason daily podcast as we've done in the past. It'll be Kyle and I a lot, but it'll also be uh, – a wide array of people that we'll bring in to talk about the uh, the postseason because this is one of the most fun times of the year and we want to talk about it because we're going to be watching it just like you are. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For JJ Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.